Hey, a complete lack of Steve again, as he hey. had to work late and is caught in traffic. But we have Joey here again. What's up? I'm here. And it it has been a long time since uh, we've uh, we, we've done a podcast. There's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but we are now live and podcasting today with a probably packed show, possibly packed show. We got a lot of stuff I want to cover. Um, the most important one, most media of them is going to be, let's just start off with the Bayonetta three voice acting controversy. Oh which boy. I got some talk words about, <laughs> talk, I, I imagine you do. I imagine you do. Um, but I, I try to be, I try to be fair and middle ground and not make assumptions about people. And this one is a very difficult one because you have two, inst- two completely different instances of lying here, right? Because technically plat- like one of the things people have called platinum games on is that they did lie about it being a sort of not necessarily scheduling conflict, but somewhere it's like, Oh, you know, circumstances just couldn't align. We couldn't get Helena Taylor. And I people mean, are like, technically, lied. Well, technically that's a scheduling conflict and that they couldn't actually schedule her scheduling thing. <laughs> uh, but well, the, the aspect that I think people miss is because again, you got to look at this in some ways from a Japanese culture standpoint. And again, like I'm no expert on Japanese culture. I'd heart, I, I wouldn't argue to be one, but from what I've witnessed, from what I've read, from what I've seen, my guess is, or my theory that I'm going to posit is that platinum said what they said with the intent of having everyone save face that nobody would look bad that, you know, they wouldn't seem like they were, you know, lowballing her, but at the same time she wouldn't seem greedy for, or however you would want to spin it. Right. Right. Like they, they, they have a, 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 they make up an excuse And it keeps anyone from looking bad. Oh, yeah, of course. Because they're, like, at the end of the day, they're a company. And a company does have to do whatever it takes to make themselves not look bad so that they lose money. Um, So they are, of course, going to save face. The the big problem with this is that, you know, they're... You you could say that Platinum Games was was lying, right? Um, You can say that, and there's, you know, there's... There's a lot of truth and commonality to companies doing whatever it takes to make them to make sure that they look good, no matter what. They will throw anyone under the bus that they see fit. Um, the problem in this scenario is is that uh, the victim, or who was supposed to be the victim, um, ended up lying, and there was, and like it was practically like the day after she she said all that stuff. Okay. Uh, there was <laughs> there was there was a piece put out in Bloomberg on it saying like yeah she's actually talking out of her ass. <laughs> yeah, it's man, it's like they she had said, that in the chamber, dude. That was so funny. <laughs> she she said that they offered her four thousand dollars maximum, like that was the offer, is what she said, yeah. and that was false. Mm-hmm. Um. And then you have uh, her calling on a boycott and even in some way throwing shade at Jennifer Hale. When she did that, I was like, okay, there's something wrong here. Why? <laughs> and 
Well, that's the, the a rare instance of me and Jason Schreier having an agreement outside of his professional raw reporting. Because when he reports objectively, he's very good. But when yep. he starts throwing his opinion around, he becomes this like self-aggrandizing sense of knighthood or whatever. Like I am a modern champion of the what I don't even know what he thinks he's a champion of sometimes. <laughs> um but in this instance, he was like, when someone tries so hard to lay on the uh, the victim, woe is me thing, like, play on emotion so much. This thing, Helena Taylor was trying to play on emotion a lot. Yeah. And it's, and, and like, there even then, because it's like, okay, well, when was the last gig she had? And it's like, she's basically only been Bayonetta. And that alone right there is like, ah. Uh, uh, hmm. Yeah. It, and of course, there's questions. It gets the noggin on, or as I like to say, it activates the almonds. You know. It, it yeah. Just, it just really gets you thinking. Like something stinks here. And, and I remember saying, I, I think you and I were were chatting about this the one day. That was like something. Something stinks here. There's not. Something's not adding up. Especially considering, like, if they were trying to lowball her, right? And. uh they got Jennifer Hale to replace her. Like if they didn't want to pay someone, then they would probably get some, get some nobody, but no, they went with Jennifer Hale, who I'm pretty sure is not cheap. She's like, she's like the Nolan North well, of, of female uh, voice actresses. <laughs> well, this is the thing again. It's like when you talk about, cause this also opened up the discussion regarding pay rates, mm -hmm. right? Pay rates for um, voice actors and voice actresses. And, in the case of Helena Taylor, like that was one of the things I was wondering. It's like four thousand dollars, and um, yeah, we 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 have uh, Cell Omega and Patrick in the chat. Patrick's comment: because of this controversy, I will continue to not buy Bayonetta games. Obviously, the implication being he never bought a Bayonetta game. <laughs> and we got hey, a Cell Omega start is good. Cell Omega is uh yes, we are talking about the four K of pay a bayonetta which turned out to actually be more than that <laughs> and even then she tried to make it sound like it was lower she's like they only offered me 10k and then 4k later as a cameo which i turned down it's like so you you still continue to turn down money even for like a cameo role instead of a primary role like she initially wanted six figures and a living wage and uh and residuals um, which well, again opens up the debate. I th I think there there is a discussion to be had about there you know, is and that's residuals that, and stuff. That's the problem. Is like I wish we could have discussions like this without the surrounding drama, because they, uh, well, firstly, I mean, again, if you look at like the amount of hours she would have worked in the booth, would have been what like fifteen k to twenty k for up to twenty hours of work. Yeah. Which is a lot more than I make in half a week of work. Um, <laughs> Although but you, at the you same also have to time, consider, oh, you were probably going to go into that. I was going to talk about like yeah, well, that's, off time. You know, that's exactly it. You got to prepare your voice. You got to let your voice rest. You can't be constantly working, working, working. Um, depending on what kind of voice work you do, or else you'll lose your voice, and therefore you'll lose your method of work. Yep. Um, there's a lot of things that uh, go into it off hours. Including, you know, training, you know, doing exercises with your throat and the and voice box and everything. So there is a lot of stuff that does need to be considered for 
this kind of discussion about like pay and especially because again it's like then okay well this is also mostly like most of the voice actors that came out were nintendo voice actors yep well how much does christopher judge a traditional screen actor get for being kratos and god of war which is also physical compared to how much does troy baker get for being joel in the last of us who is traditionally a voice actor but is also now doing mocap like does sony pay them more because they're doing physical acting in addition to the voice acting is this a devaluing of the voice because we'll just shove you a script and have you rush into the booth and do this in a few hours. Um, cause think about it. Like how long is this game and you're doing 20 hours to do all of the voice work? Do you know how few takes you're doing? Especially considering how many, like one session of that is probably going to be like, all right, now you got to do like grunts. Like you're getting hurt. Just go, just go. Ugh, ah, ugh, ugh. Like yeah. just keep doing that over and over. Like the, the, the character how- creator voice reel. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like you, you have all that stuff that they got to do in the booth too. Like there's a lot of work that goes into this stuff. And I feel like what is the value and how are we comparing? Cause at the yeah. same time, that that's the thing though. Like Troy Baker and Nolan North and Jennifer Hale are all over the industry, but they're, they, they grind. Like you, you talk about like how much does it cost to pay Jennifer Hale? I'd imagine she got the same contract, honestly. And one of the reasons she's so prolific is to make sure she's covered. Like she probably doesn't actually get a very high end pay. Uh, That would be my projection though. Cause she, unlike Helena Taylor, Jennifer Hale was a complete professional. Yeah. She's like, I'm always for good treatment and pay of voice actors. I'm always for this. It's like, don't, you know, everyone on the team worked really hard on this game please like be understanding. That's all I can say because of NDA. That's, that's called professionalism. Not breaking your NDA is professionalism. Platinum games overestimated the professionalism of Helena Taylor, which that's again, like why she's making herself look. And again, I want to be open. Maybe she's a woman that needs some kind of help, especially now if she's had such a rough time or such a rough period. Cause why hasn't she gotten work? And yeah, you, you mentioned when we talked about it the other day, maybe she's really hard to work with. And there's a reason she hasn't gotten much more than Bayonetta like the past decade. Yeah. Like I, I think about the, the whole Vic Mignogna situation and like he, he was extremely hard to work with. Um, And I, you know, I was like someone, he, someone who had to deal with him when, you know, running security at a, yeah. at a convention like I didn't have to deal with him very much, but whatever I did, he was he was difficult. Um, and I, you know, and you know, Funimation being a little boys club, but that's a whole different, different. Uh, that's a whole other topic. Um, I got to point out Patrick's comment though. It was like he he says that he's surprised that uh, they didn't have her sign a three game contract, which that could be a thing. That that could be a pretty common thing. Um, what's I different about Bayonetta though is with that video I, games, I don't think so. Because I mean, I mean they it don't... could be um, like, for example, uh, say like one thing after the other is going to come out like, uh, uh, I don't know, like with with a with a Telltale series like um, The Walking Dead, right, where they have a lot of voice actors coming back that I, that could be a thing there. 
Except you have to know that you're making more. Right. And that's, and that's part the of the problem asterisk. with like Bayonetta 2. Did they know they were going to be making a Bayonetta 3? Dude, I mean, look at but, how long it took after the first one for Bayonetta 2 to come out. And it was only because of Nintendo. Yep. Right. And so it took I don't, about even longer for, for Bayonetta 3 to come out. <laughs> so I think the greater question is what are the odds that a studio is going to get a multi-game contract, right? And I don't think that's yeah. just the thing that exists in the games industry, partially because of how long it takes to develop a game and partially because just the nature of the beast. Like unless you're under someone like Microsoft who just wants to churn these or like you're under someone like Call of Duty, maybe you can get away with that. They're going to remake Modern Warfare. They're going to remake Modern Warfare 2. They're going to remake Modern Warfare 3. So maybe there they were able to get multi-game contracts. Yeah. But I honestly would not be so certain. And again, like we're also right now talking about all we know is Nintendo voice actors have come out and spoken right. about this stuff. And what do we know about what Sony does? What do we know about what Microsoft, EA, Activision, Ubisoft? Like, what do we know about all of these other uh, industries? Especially when, again, like, let's talk about Call of Duty paying money to get Hollywood actors like Kevin Spacey in their video game, oh even though God. that was, like, what, 10 years ago? So I like how you brought I, up I, Kevin Spacey, the, the worst example. Because he's the only, <laughs> well, he's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. I know they've had other Hollywood actors. The, whoever was Jon Snow from... Game of Thrones. They had Kit a, Harrington. Yeah, that's Kit right. Harrington. He wasn't one of the games. They they had the dude from Law and Order, which was really jarring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what's that's his the name? Like, the uh... how much do you pay these guys that are worse? Th uh, sorry, that are used to getting how much more money than voice actors are getting, right? Yeah. Or are they getting paid like is Troy Baker making Kit Harrington and Call of Duty money? Or is Christopher Judge, again, Christopher Judge, he's a screen actor. He's never been in anything as big. Like, Stargate SG-1 lasted a long time, and Christopher Judge was on there the whole time. Um, that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of like, you know what, I I, I, I I, like to do Kratos. I'm not used to the old Kratos. I, I don't have that old uh, nostalgia for the old God of Wars, but it's like, you know what, I like Christopher Judge because he's Teal'c, so I'm good with this Kratos, you know? I mean, they're, so, I, I like them both. I think they're both great. They, they, they fit what they're doing, you know? Um, yeah. So, but to that extent, it's like, there is the greater question of pay. And again, like, cause at the same time, I think you and I would probably agree. Most Hollywood actors are overpaid. Extremely. So, extremely. What's but, the but middle that's not ground? To say that, that, that they're, you know, that their work isn't difficult. Cause it sure is, you know? Like, oh no. Yeah. Those you, people you're going will to sometimes have... work 20 hour days just trying to get, just trying to get one scene right, you know, but, but at the same time, you got to compare like how much are they getting paid? And then the people that are really at risk most of the time are the stunt workers. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like this weird disparity where like, are you getting paid for the job you're doing? Or are you getting paid because people know your face and you overvalue your importance as a human being as a result. Yeah. Like some of this is just a matter of skewed numbers. And also people like to talk about how much video games earn compared to something like Hollywood. But you got to remember video games cost now 70 bucks a pop compared to how much for a movie ticket and yeah. a movie you can slap together 
And dude, Alien versus Predator was slapped together inside of well, it was filmed. Principal photography was two months. Yeah, and how much does it cost? They filmed cost that movie right in now. Two months. And then the post-production was four months. They slapped that together in half of a year. Now, granted, in some ways it shows, but that's the thing, like a right. film can take less than a year to make, be it photo uh be it principal photography and then uh post-production. And compared to how many years does it make to create a game? I, I, I think the same kind of thing, like you can kind of apply a similar kind of scale. Like when we're talking about AAA games, they like they can they now they take at least three years, you know, like if they're really actually trying to make something it's been a minimum of three years. And that's the yeah. thing like Bayonetta it used to be two years now. Like it, it Bayonetta th- three, Bayonetta three was announced five years ago. Video game awards, 2017. Yeah. It, this was, an, this was announced at the, uh, at, at the, at the Nintendo switch reveal. <clears throat> I remember that. No, I could have, was a switch reveal. Was it? I'm pretty no. sure it was the switch reveal. Oh, no. Remember the switch reveal was in the autumn and it was, yep. Mostly casual stuff. This wasn't revealed until because it was January of twenty. No, wait. I'm twenty sixteen sure was the reveal. Event. No, it wasn't at the Switch event because Switch event didn't show anything core. It wasn't until the Video Game Awards and then the January event leading up to launch. But you're right; it was twenty sixteen, December of twenty sixteen. Bayonetta three was announced because uh, then in January, No More Heroes three was uh, no Travis Strikes again was announced. Um, but no, Bayonetta 3, well, maybe it was, you might be right. I don't know, but Bayonetta 3, either way has been in development for like five to six years and it's finally coming out. Yeah. But from what reviews I've seen, it'll show in the mechanics and stuff, but you're right. Like games take on average anywhere between three to five years, depending on what you're doing. Yeah. And that is far more than it takes to make a movie. I mean, so, dude, Sonic Mania, which is just, you know, a sprite game. I think that took like two and a half years at least. Um, and that's like, and that game even got delayed, which was yeah. wild to me, you know? And it's it's just like, even games that look simplistic still still take a long time, you know? it's It really is different from Hollywood. Um, and that's the thing, to, to get back to that aspect of scale, like... How much are you paying for when it comes to employees, overhead, outsourcing, Mm -hmm. and then like all the printing and then marketing? How much more expensive is it to make a game versus making a movie? And so how much more do you have to spend on actors compared to, again, Hollywood? Um, So that's one of the things that, again, when it comes to economies of scale does come to mind, have me wonder. Um, And especially like, you know, they talk about residuals. Well, guess who else wants residuals or at least some kind of a bonus? The, the employees making the game. Yeah, the developers want that stuff too. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, are you guaranteed that your game will sell enough to earn that bonus? Like that's that's actually the biggest problem, I think, as well. Now that we're getting a little off topic, like a lot of people will talk about if the game gets a, like there's bonuses promised if the game gets an X Metacritic score. And that seems counterintuitive to me because you can have a high Metacritic score and still sell like trash. Yes, you but can. That, you're that also still 
you're also still tying residuals to the to how well the game performs and let's be honest too actors do mean less to the chances of a game selling than they do to the chances of a film selling so it's it's such a different economy of scale even when you're going to talk about even when you open up the conversation about what should voice actors get paid because i think for us part of it is you think of someone doing one job and it doesn't sound a lot but most voice actors aren't doing just one job in a right. year and at the same time you're also talking about comparing it to other acting jobs where we're used to hearing like man i don't know how much did the marvel actors get like how many millions were they getting per movie Dude, or they per were contract a like a lot like, like and I, I, I wouldn't know very, what i'd be able to do if i had that much money i think i would actually go insane so it's it is this weird economy of scale kind of a thing um but yeah i mean that's that's the thing though at the very end of the day i feel i feel pity for helena taylor not for the reasons that she wants me to feel pity though because i don't know where because she has to have made a misstep somewhere does she need an agent does she need to be part of a guild in england kind of a thing does she need like did she make a mistake where she's not getting work yeah and now like she's demanding that kind of money she's demanding higher pay from uh platinum games and nintendo because she's desperate now yep and she's trying to play on people's emotions like i pity things like that like even i think it's too easy to turn someone into a villain um and it's funny. Actually, it's funny. It's like it's too easy to have Hideki Kamiya's first response, which is to say she was being deplorable, um, which didn't surprise me because it's Hideki Kamiya. But talk about a way to turn people against you even further in that initial in, initial run. But I don't. I I do want to give everyone more of a fair chance, even when it's difficult to do so. And yeah. for me. I hope she's able to get work and not just be a washed up has been appearing at cons convincing people she is Bayonetta because she couldn't get anything else. I'd yeah. rather she be able to get work. I mean, dang, man, people are making more stinking Tomb Raider games in the future. Get her on a Tomb Raider game. Get her in the new Dragon Age Get her doing voice work. Like she's got a British accent. Let her in to her any of fantasy these fantasy games. things. Yes, exactly. Have her voice a character in Overwatch, inspired by Bayonetta. There you go. Make a character <laughs> in Overwatch inspired by Bayonetta and have her voice her. There uh, you go. That, I don't know how I feel about that. That that, that game is already derivative enough. <laughs> um. But yeah, Tracer's mom. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick with the suggestion. All right. Uh, did you have any final thoughts you wanted to wrap up on the Bayonetta 3 uh, controversy? I would just say, Helena Taylor, you done goofed. Um, but I hope you learned your lesson. And, you know, it would be great to hear you as something else. You're you're not beyond redemption, obviously. Um, you know, you can have that redemption arc just just be professional dude like 
I, I believe Vic Mignogna can also get work too. He he should be allowed to do that. So you know, just it, fair is fair. Um, but at the same time, like the you you made your bed now get effed in it. That's what that's this is what happens when you when you are unprofessional. You you lose your job, and throwing uh, Jennifer Hale under the bus uh, because she she took your place. That's that's not fair to Jennifer Hale. Um, shame on you. But I hope to hear your voice again in the future. Uh, yeah, and that uh, when you mentioned professionalism too, that that really is what sticks. It is remember what it means, and this is a warning to everybody: be professional. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Learn to be professional. Um, this is coming from me. Like my character has a has a, has a woman on a hold of yeah. bosoms. <laughs> Trust me, I am a professional. <laughs> oh my goodness! Don't worry, I'm going to be making new art for everybody on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, eventually, I'll get around to that. Um, do we want to talk about Microsoft Activision Blizzard acquisition and the current state of things? Because I've spent over the past few weeks in our discord, especially, but even in an email with someone like I spent so much time explaining my thoughts on this, that I feel like there's room to speak about it, but I wanted to make sure it wasn't just a monologue. Do you have any thoughts regarding the I, fact that it's currently undergoing investigation? You know, it, look, I, I do have a few things to say about it. And it's because like, I find that this is uh, like when this, when this was hap- when when this was announced that Microsoft was looking was like they put down an offer of nearly seventy billion dollars to get Activision Blizzard. I like I nearly had a spit take without actually drinking anything, um, because that would like that would be a huge get for for Microsoft, uh, especially like considering. Call of Duty being like the biggest thing, right? Call of Duty yeah. <clears throat> has been associated with Xbox for the entirety of the of the Xbox 360 generation since like Modern Warfare came out. Since Call of Duty 4 came out. But actually not even then Call of Duty 2. Yeah, I I dude, I forgot that I have a copy of that. <laughs> it kind of blows me away. Um but yeah, like that like those games are very much tied to to Xbox as much as they are tied with Mountain Dew and Doritos. Like it's but the past generation, Sony has been right. the ones buying up all the ex- well the exclusive content. But of course, you know Activision's been multi platform the whole time, right? Like but with Destiny, all that they were DLC doing that and stuff. Yep, with uh, with Call of Duty and um, I think even Overwatch to an extent. I don't think Overwatch, but if you recall, they put money to have Street Fighter V first on PlayStation 4. Yes. Actually, I I don't think Street Fighter V ever went to Xbox. No, it did. It did? Street Fighter V is on Xbox. Yeah, later editions of it did. Oh, wow. Um, That might be part of the workaround. I'm also wondering if Sony is one of the reasons Street Fighter V was in such sad shape when it first shipped, but that's speculation. I I would Um, actually blame that and they wanted it out in time for evo that year ah a so, curse yeah um, the, you know they they, but, they wanted to have tournaments there so you know <laughs> but yeah should have delayed it a year the 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 so yeah i don't i find this completely unsurprising that 
you know, this is being investigated because uh, Activision and Blizzard are like as big as Microsoft's gaming division as a whole. Actually, no, I would say they're bigger, um, especially with with Blizzard. Uh, this yeah, is because kind of insane to me. Because Activision has a lot of studios. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, Blizzard itself is producing how many games alone? Um, and then you, and again, King is a mobile game company. We usually don't think of them, but Candy Crush, I mean, uh, Candy Crush is um, crushing it. It always has been. But I think what bothers me about this aspect of the investigation is that it's so focused on whether it's fair to Sony. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I don't know much about the Brazilian government. Evidently, it's not a very good government, according to some people. But <laughs> I don't. I've not researched it. Either. I'm not from Brazil. Uh, I could always ask someone from my church. They are from Brazil. Um, actually, I think I got two people from my church from Brazil. Only thing I know uh, is that the, the the crime rate is unfortunate. So is Philadelphia's. I mean, <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Right by yeah, us. So. That, that's all I got. <laughs> that's, that's like all I know. That's all we got. Um, so, um, but that's the thing, like their trade commission or whatever was like, you know, like, hey, Nintendo can compete somehow and they've got weaker hardware. So, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and Makes you think, doesn't it? <laughs> but that's part of what makes me so mixed because I'm trying, like, uh, this generation, I am biased towards Xbox. I've grown biased towards Xbox for a lot of reasons. I do not trust Sony. I don't like what Sony's doing with a lot of things. I mean, you could even look at their remasters, right? They've got so many games that are locked to the PlayStation 3 hardware that if you want to play them, you either need them on the PlayStation 3 or you got to play them cloud. And they're trying they to care. push... That's the thing. They don't claim. They don't care. Rumors that they're going to be like they spent money on remastering The Last of Us Part One, which didn't need a remaster. Bloodborne can't even run sixty FPS on a PS Five. Um, you've got the, the rumor of them re, uh, remastering Horizon Zero Dawn, Infamous One and Two sit on the PlayStation Three. Uh, great games that are going to get lost to history. Twisted Resistance Metal is getting 3. a TV show, but not another game. What uh, is that? There's garbage? rumors it will be. There's 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 leaks and rumors it actually is getting another. Oh, game. they they better they better reveal it. That's actually there needs the to be theory. a reason to actually get a PS5. <laughs> That's actually the theory, though. The theory is that right now most of what they're pushing is related to whatever's getting a TV show or something. Garbage. Because Horizon Zero Dawn's getting a TV show. So let's remaster it, just like we remastered The Last of Us, because we have an HBO TV show coming out. We want to have the buzz, and it's like, uh, and that's the thing. Like Sony is chasing, and and that's what makes some of this frustrating, because the 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 Trade Commission is investigating specifically whether this is going to be fair competition, or yeah. whether this is, is you know going to break the rules or whatever. And I want to argue that what Microsoft is doing, Sony's not their direct competitor. And it's what I said last time we discussed this, Amazon, Google, um, Tencent and Embracer group. Technically these are their competitors. Yeah. Giant conglomerations that are now multimedia as well. Technically Sony's that too. Sony's yeah. multimedia. It's Sony's just been that forever. There's just unlike, not- 
unlike Microsoft, Sony's PlayStation is their premier thing now. They stopped making so many other products and their Hollywood division is in in, in the crapper. Uh, Well, not as much as it used to be. But let's face it, Sony Pictures is not really worth much uh, when you get right down to the movies that they make. Um, Because I guess the last great thing that they made was Into the Spider-Verse, right? Was that then? Yeah, that was that. Well, they also work, they work on the Marvel Spider Man movies too, but yep. those have been a, a split deal. But that's the thing. Like, there's like, I mean, I hate to bring it up because of the memification, but <laughs> Morbius, man, <laughs> oh, and the Venom man. movies, like they can't they can't do their own thing, man. Like the they, bat they, they, Kamehameha. That's all I'm saying. Like the the this is not. So Google with their streaming game streaming could have been like getting ahead of the game. Google screwed up because one, they, they hired a handful of people and tried to make their own studios, but, and Amazon did this too. hire a handful of experienced uh, people in the games industry, usually not actually developers, just producers or, or managers or something. Yeah. Um, and then have them all listen to somebody overseeing that entire division that doesn't know what they're doing. Amazon especially had this problem, but Google had it too. And then for Google's problem was make people pay, pay full price to own a game on a cloud service, mm. which was a stupid idea. And that that and, wasn't what they initially announced either, right? I feel like that's not what they. Oh, there's said a it was lot of stuff be. they never. There's a lot of stuff they never pr- delivered on. <laughs> yeah, like 4K 60 FPS. That was not happening. Stadia, yeah. It's, Google screwed up. Amazon's mostly screwed up with their game studios, just less badly. And now they do have streaming on your Fire Fire devices for games. If you want, you can do cloud gaming on your Fire device. Yeah. Um. And Microsoft is directly trying to compete with that with Xbox Game Pass. That's the thing. Microsoft is better positioned to compete with that. Firstly, because they're already in the games console business. They already have dedicated machinery. They have an operating system. It is almost monopolistic. The problem is, well, the thing is, though, they're not locking you to their ecosystem because if you have an iPhone or an Android phone, you can use xCloud, I believe. Yep, and that's their strategy is to get their games out to as many people as possible because, yes, believe it or not, anyone listening, that that is where the money is. It's not the hardware sales. It's the software. The software pushes the hardware. Game Pass subscriptions, not necessarily because even though they did make a lot, uh, they what was it like last year? Game Pass subscriptions were about three billion in rev uh, in revenue. That's actually not a lot in the long run. Yeah, that's that's in um, revenue, not and and it, they didn't say what the profit margin was. Weird to say that about fu money, like three billion dollars, but I I know, um, especially considering like I mean, think about it, dude. Like Candy Crush is on this list. Like I I think Candy Crush makes that much makes that much money in in a much shorter amount of time. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Um, but that's the thing. Like if you're, you, you can't really say, well, you know, FTC, you can't evaluate this based on the fact that Microsoft is first, uh, first to first to the races, really. Not only do they make it to the starting line, 
they actually got to cross it and are still racing, right? Whereas everyone else was like falling apart to the racetrack. Like right. nobody else has made it. Embracer Group and Tencent are working their way that way, but like Tencent evidently lost like six hundred fifty billion or something like that. Yeah, they, um, uh, which which kind of came as a surprise to me. They're like Tencent is losing money hand over fist, and it's there's it's a really lot because of, of the reasons why. But that's like yeah, beyond the scope of this podcast. Yeah, dude, us. we could have it in like a, like a series of shows just on that. <laughs> but that that that's um. That's one one interesting area. But then again, like, what is Embracer Group doing? They just bought the Middle Earth everything. Like, they bought, like, TV stuff. Like, they're, they're everyone's trying to diversify what they can do. And Microsoft is doing that in terms of a service. And they're the ones doing it the smartest way right now. And Phil Spencer is also very smart in how he speaks to the press about things. Like one of the things he said is, you know, we've kind of like tapped out on console when it comes to subscriptions. We're not going to be getting much more. So we're focusing on PC, which is hit. And that's like PC game pass subscriptions have had enormous growth, Yeah, but they are looking beyond just the Xbox and they understand they're not going to get everyone on game pass. I still think you'll see game pass subscriptions grow as more of their first party content expands. And yes, that is part of this acquisition, but at the same time, we have to keep in mind that these are the guys that own Minecraft, and Minecraft is on everything. Yep. It and is I on think literally everything. It's on the Wii U, for crying out loud. I think that's one of the things that is being forgotten. But I also... I would have more sympathy for Sony, if I didn't already dislike them. But also, I would have more <laughs> sympathy for Sony... If they weren't crying about Call of Duty exclusively. Now, it's funny they don't bring up World of Warcraft, right? <laughs> there is a possibility we might see World of Warcraft on Xbox consoles. Dude. They don't care. The idea about, of that blows me away. Because World, what World about of Warcraft Diablo? has been around since how long? Like, what, 2003, I want to say? Oh, yeah, a long time. And it has never been on a console. We could have it on Xbox. They never brought up Diablo. They've not brought up Overwatch, which let's face it, Overwatch is going to be like Minecraft. It, it, firstly, it's already out on all the different platforms, but I do think Microsoft is smart enough to recognize some of these properties are better off being multi-platform. Yeah. Is Call of Duty one of those? <laughs> I think that's a good question, but I also think... Is Microsoft going to let the Call of Duty model be the same thing? Right. Because they talk about, you know, the existing contracts out to the next three or four years. But are they going to try and change how Call of Duty works? I mean, look at Halo Infinite. Halo Infinite, they they, they released the multiplayer for free. The, ca- the campaigns that you pay money for, the multiplayer is for free. And then you got Battle Pass, of course. But what is... Still a ripoff. What is micro like, like what is Microsoft's strategy for Call of Duty going to be? And we need to ask ourselves if it's going to be the same thing, or if Warzone is the future of Call of Duty in some way, or what will they like will the campaign be exclusive to uh Microsoft consoles and Game Pass, but the multiplayer is multi-platform? Like and that's the thing. Like, I feel like if our Microsoft 
multiplayer being multi-platform makes the most sense because there's honestly most people want to play multiplayer. Yeah. And if you're going to monetize your multiplayer, then you want it on as many platforms as possible to get as much money as you want. But the campaigns are a smaller market and that's going to appeal most to your Game Pass subscribers. Yeah, I agree. Or even then, I mean, like if it's going to be on like if there's any if there's any place where Call of Duty should should be exclusive, it should just be on Game Pass. Still multi-platform. People on PlayStation can still buy it. <laughs> but if you want to play it for free, quote unquote free, then you pay that Game Pass subscription. I think that would be a pretty brilliant model because you like then you constantly keep bringing in subscribers. They can still play with other people on other hardware um, if they want to pay for it. You know, it's I it, it's going to draw more people to to Microsoft anyway because seventy dollars is pretty steep, and people are are, are going to much rather pay you know fifteen dollars uh, for a month of Call of Duty or fifteen dollars uh, for a few months. You, you know? actually also made me wonder something. Would they create some kind of a bundle or what, if you have Game Pass on PC, would you be able to use that Game Pass subscription to play World of Warcraft? <laughs> or would you be able to get like how they have the ESPN, Disney Plus, Hulu Plus bundle kind of a thing, but where you have a Game Pass plus World of Warcraft bundle? Dude. If that could save World of Warcraft in a lot of ways. Yeah, because World of Warcraft is getting killed by Final Fantasy 14. It's starting even then, like people are just dropping shit. Yeah. Um now it'll have it'll pick up again right now because they got an expansion coming out. But yeah, that huh, I didn't even think about that, dude. That like that that, that just came to mind. It's like you wow, what if they do something like that? And granted that would again be ballsy. That is like we're talking about things that I think here's the problem. Like again, Sony's only complaining Call of Duty. And that what I hope makes a difference is the fact that Andrew Wilson, God bless him, he finally said something useful. Um said this acquisition could be great because it could open the doors for Battlefield. Like oh my God. I'm paraphrasing, I'm paraphrasing. But basically, he looks at the uh, uh, potential of Call of Duty being exclusive to uh, Xbox, giving more room for Battlefield. Now, he's so naive, <laughs> and it's adorable. But that's the thing; like, he's he like hits on a, he hits on a good he hits on a point. Call of Duty is not the only game out there of this style. No, it's not. Sony, what Sony's basically whining about just this one game, as if it's unfair. And Sony needs to step up and compete is what they need to do. And that's supposed to be what their virtuous cycle is about, right? <laughs> their virtuous cycle of prestige games that they're going to sell for 70 bucks a pop and not put on their, you know, PlayStation Plus service to play and it's like, okay, I mean, if you guys don't want to compete, don't compete. Like, I feel like if if this is, the acquisition won't kill Sony. If Sony is killed by anything, it'll be their own inability to compete because of their own hubris and their own 
And granted, I mean, in my opinion, them having, what is it, Jim Ryan, Jack Ryan? I think Jack Ryan. Putting him in charge is like, dude, no. Nah. <laughs> you, you, you got to some of the wrong people. Um, I mean, they, but, like, in the end, both of these companies, Microsoft and Sony, they're, they're going to end up killing each other. And the only one that'll stand tall, that'll stand tall is Nintendo because they have chosen not to compete. Yeah, but Nintendo's got their own problems, as we all we've oh, no, covered. They, they, the they do, too. but but even amidst all of that, they're just they're st- they're still thriving, dude. It's wild. <laughs> yes, they are, and I, well, that's another thing that gets me too. It's like it's like look what Nintendo can do with weaker hardware. Even I, I now, know. when it's like it's really showing, it's like we really need a new Nintendo Switch announcement. We need a new Nintendo system. It's probably going to be next year. I, I think the, ho- I think next year is going to be the announcement. I've stopped predicting, but we we definitely need a new one. Um, they just don't have the incentive because people still buy them. <laughs> and then people still and then buy them, man. It's ridiculous. Metroid Prime Four is going to be a launch title for the new Switch. <laughs> that I think that's what's going to happen. I think that's what I think they're holding off oh, on it because goodness. they're just like, man, this game is a little too powerful. So let's just. It'll be a it'll be a launch title for the next system, but you'll be able to play it on Switch, and it'll just be inferior. That's what's gonna happen. Well, Ninte- I love Patrick. Will Nintendo lose Overwatch? Uh, does anybody care? Because it's not like the game runs well on the Switch anyway. <laughs> it runs, but as no, well as, as I said, should. I mean, did Nintendo lose Minecraft? No. Yeah. Like, I think again, Microsoft. Microsoft right now with Phil Spencer has someone smart. That at least, you know, they've got a businessman that is a businessman, but he also actually likes video games. So that's Microsoft's advantage right now with Xbox. How long that lasts, (laughs) the 10 people play it loose. Like, when, whenever Phil Spencer leaves Xbox, that's when, who knows what's going to happen. But right now with Phil Spencer, Xbox is going to be a better value in a lot of ways. Yeah. Now that said, I mean, as you and I were discussing, I think I am going to, I wanted to wait for it to be on PC, but I think I am going to get God of War Ragnarok on PS4, even though it's going to be stuck at 30 frames a second. But I, I know I might be able to get a higher frame rate on PS4 pro. It's going to be a minimum of a year before it shows up on PC at $70. God of War right so it's like and that's a minimum of a year so um yeah I may as well get it now I don't know if I can wait that long um so anyways the next thing I did want uh have on the docket but we are on time is the developers talking about the Xbox Series S and dropping it mm-hmm. and I think I could summarize that real quick they have a point like to an extent this is going to be dragging everyone down in regards to what they can develop because, because people will bring out, Oh, people have to make a game, you know, on minimal specs to an extent for PC. Right. Yeah. But you don't have a platform holder demanding that a game be able to run at a certain performance level at certain resolutions to a certain degree. Yeah. You can have a game running on a potato and the experience can still be complete garbage. And the developer doesn't have to care. Microsoft is going to require them to hit specific performance metrics on the Xbox Series S in order to 
pass certification. I, I think a good point of that is um, like the outer worlds, uh, not the outer wilds, the outer worlds. Um, I, at least this is how it was at release. So compare how that performed on the PS4 and Xbox One versus the Switch port when that first came out. Complete disaster. And because, you know, Nintendo can be fast and loose with their requirements. That Nintendo seal of quality doesn't really exist anymore. And, you know, I look back. It's not on their game package anymore. Yeah, (laughs) it did. It did. Now. Yeah, you're right. It's not there. Um, And I'm pretty sure that like they probably patched it at this point. But like you also got to think of it this way, man. Like when when you're trying to get your game out to as many people as possible, you're 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 going to be developing for different kinds of hardware. So if you're going to try to have it on everything, it's got to be it's got to be able to run well on the Switch. It's got to be able to run well on the PS4. It's got to be able to run well on the PS4 Pro. It's got to be able to run well on the Xbox One, the Xbox One S, One X, <laughs> Series S, Series X. That is a lot of platforms and, and PC and, and PC is always is always the one that that can be the wild card, which is and that's the thing. Surprising. I think I think what this could do is push some third parties to be more willing to put put games on the PS Five mm-hmm. exclusively. But at the same time, I do think some of this is overblown, partially because some of the developers some of the developers don't exactly make really good like. Here's the thing. Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal run on the Switch. They do. And they run surprisingly well. <laughs> sure, it's 30 frames. Uh, if you have it docked, it is. it's going to sound like a space heater, and it's going to feel like yes. a space heater. But it runs, but, and very well. And that's the thing. The Switch requires you to be able to play that game handheld, too, not, do- mm-hmm. not exclusively docked. So that's a similar situation. But here it's like... You... In some ways, it's like, dude, just hire real engineers or yeah. find engines that are actually scalable. Like, un, I don't think Unreal Engine's that scalable. I, I always, I, since the 360, I found the Unreal Engine overrated. And I continue to because it focuses so much more on how things, it's more, it's a screenshot machine. It, but once it you is. get things in motion, it's, got issues i mean when they revealed the next generation of unreal engine and it was a 30 frames a second motion blur filled like display it's like oh boy i forgot about i get i get 30 frames a second motion blur at 4k (laughs) the next generation right like i to me at this point, I don't notice the resolution as much as I do notice the like increase in frames. And that's the thing. Like people, I don't think people talk about how like, oh, it's not actually that important. Dude, it is so much more smooth looking. It actually is. I I prefer looking at a game when it's it's moving more smoothly than a game that's supposed to be at a higher resolution, but I can't really tell anyway. Um, and of course I prefer aesthetic over anything. I mean, Kirby, Kirby's forgotten land has na- like nasty frame drops and an enemy is slightly beyond spitting distance. <laughs> yeah. You, it's like, <laughs> Oh, oh, there's an enemy over there. That's running at 15 frames a second. 
and he's not that far away, and yet the game looks gorgeous because of its its art style. Yeah, the game's and great. So it's and it plays well too. Like it's it it, it like. And that's the thing that the developers also have to be aware that their game needs to run at a certain frame rate. So they gotta, be, they gotta be able to figure out ways to compensate, you know? Yeah. Or at least but there's also, th- yeah, but there's also, I mean, to go back a little bit, like I watched the digital foundry video today on, um, they were looking at the PC performance of Gotham Knights to see if they could get a clue. And they're like, it's on the CPU and they compared it to other games on older hardware and the or or on their um their mid range mid level like not great CPU on their PC and they're like Cyberpunk gets more use out of the CPU um this game gets more of the like their the uh, Watch Dogs Legion gets more of the CPU like they're comparing to other games and they're like Gotham Knights barely uses the CPU like we don't know what's going on here like it gives the sense that the game's not optimized it's stuck at thirty frames a second on next gen consoles. Because the game's just not optimized. And why that is, I don't know. But that's one of the things where it's like, on one hand, I understand, you know, you're being told you have to make sure your game runs on this lower end hardware. And you believe that is, you know, forcing you back, holding the quote unquote next generation back. You know, but, a good example I like to bring up of that is... um uh, the Okami HD remasters because that's a PS2 game and that that got an HD remaster on PS3 I believe um and on Switch now too yeah yeah and now it's on Switch and PS4 and Xbox and PC I think and it's still 30 frames and the reason for that is is, is apparently the frame rate is like tied somehow directly to the uh, uh the code the save file <laughs> oh gosh yeah so they're like okay we're not even gonna try to dismantle this um well it's like um the uh what was i watching the other day because i was what oh was yeah it was belly belly news was talking about yeah it tells the symphonia on the 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 pc the latest pc version is based off of the playstation 2 version the problem is the playstation 2 version was locked at 30 frames a second mm-hmm. whereas on the gamecube was running 60 that's, of course, because the GameCube was more powerful than the PlayStation 2. The thing is, the PlayStation 2 had all like more content. Yep. So they ported the P- PS2 version. It's locked at 30 frames a second. Fans tried to go in and patch the game to run at 60 frames a second, and it breaks the game. Dude, the, the characters move real funny. <laughs> like the, the, it's you guys remember the Harlem how, Shake? It, it's like that. Oh, God. <laughs> Which Harlem Shake? The real Harlem Shake or the meme Har- Harlem Shake? Uh, the, the the meme one. Thank you, Filthy the, Frank. Oh gosh, the um, but the that sorry, my mind just broke. But no, the, the, that that that's that's the thing though. It's it's I understand, but oh, then there's the other aspect of this, which is the Xbox Series S is selling a lot. It is. People are buying it as a cheap next gen version and a, in a game pass machine. Yeah. I've been trying to convince my dad to get it because he doesn't want to drop 500 bones on either. Uh, well, he actually got bought, uh, got banned from PlayStation. Uh, I'll, I'll get into he, he didn't do anything bad there. There's just, you know what? I'm just going to put this out there as a PSA for anyone. Um, if, if your account gets hacked and someone makes a purchase under your account and you get your bank to reverse it, 
So Sony bans you for that. They will ban you for that. And then you have to get a Sony gift card and pay them back. I know it sounds like a scam, but that's what that that's an actual thing you mm-hmm. have to do. Wow. Yeah. So my dad's like, I'm not, I'm not freaking paying them back. Are you kidding me? I'm just gonna get an Xbox. <laughs> it's funny. But the the that's the thing though. It's like so many people have a Series S that it would you're you're asking Microsoft to make a really dumb business decision by dropping the Series S from requirements. So that ain't gonna happen. Yeah, um, that's um that that would be a very detrimental business move on their part. If if they were like, yeah, we're gonna drop Series S support. I could potentially see this happen like towards the tail end of this gaming generation. I mean like you know, the last year or so, like if they announce a new console, then I, I could see developers pulling out of supporting the series S, but I still think would, that would be foolish. It would have to be with when they've got enough consoles that they can drop the price of the series X first. Yeah. Um, misfit wafer 10 is rating our podcast. With misfit. A party of three. How's it going? Misfit. How was the, uh, I know this is going to be awkward when I'm people are listening on the audio only, but how was the uh, the Pokemon stream? Um, <laughs> we're about to we're about to to discuss a video game. In fact, that's going to be very very similar to Pokemon in a lot of ways. We're going to discuss Scorn, <laughs> which I chose a very interesting screenshot here. Like I find a screenshot beautiful, but I'm realizing it's probably not the best to use to illustrate what this game is. Um, but uh, before we discuss Scorn, uh, Cake Share mentions uh, we spent an hour and eleven minutes looking for wood. Ten Pokemon Arceus. The there year. you go. <laughs> Game of the year. Ten out of ten. <laughs> but um, no. So before I wanted to make sure for our second half of the podcast, we discussed uh, Halloweeny things. Okay. And so we can easily start with scorn, which you played on stream yes, I did. and I, I did not, but I did play the whole thing. And what an interesting game with a lot of thoughts and feelings I have regarding it. I'll let you get started on your thoughts first. I am whelmed. I am not overwhelmed. I'm not underwhelmed. I'm just whelmed. Cause simply whelmed. <laughs> cause I, cause you know, I, I have not been following this game's development. I didn't know about it until the Xbox event earlier this year. And I like you know we were, we were on this channel watching that and we were like, "Ooh, okay." Um uh it it definitely had me interested. I love the look of this game. I love like the 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 I guess like gyno, the walking like, simulator like, like the, aspect. Well, no, the the the, the gynocentric imagery. It, <laughs> like, I think that's the I best way to put there, it. I didn't think there was as much as I was expecting. I'll be honest, but it's definitely once you get towards the end. Oh man! Yeah, like they're they're, they're definitely you know trying to uh, trying to depict like it, it's like a literal mothership. I like so for starters, I have not finished the game, and frankly, I. I don't plan to go back because as cool as the game is, as interesting as it is, 
the combat really gets in the way and knowing that there's more i still have more weapons to get i still have more enemies to fight and there's a boss fight i don't want to do any of that i really don't this is i very much understand why yeah. like, i because like this when this game, game is good it's good but it like it really should have been a puzzling walking simulator like i don't know if you've played the the mist remake but i've been playing that with jen here and there and i thought scorn was going to be more like that where you're you're going around solving puzzles that tell a story um without actually like telling you the story it's a lot of visual storytelling and 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 things that you that you piece together um i thought this was going to be that and it's it mostly is and then about halfway through it it makes a shift. Yeah, I the combat really is the most difficult aspect to deal with because it's I don't find it horrible and it is avoidable in some situations, but it's this awkward I don't think you're design I don't think you're intended to kill everything. Most enemies can be fled from and one bullet, one hit with the 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 punchy machine, or one hit with the not a shotgun. Um, these things will cause an enemy to stun, and then you can run. The problem is there's so many situations where, especially if you're playing for the first time, you do have to kill things, or you feel as if you have to kill things. Um, and it's. Not a great combat system. Too many, like two enemies have projectile attacks and they oh. are super accurate. Yeah. It's frustrating. Some areas I feel like enemies also kind of just procedurally spawn. And then they'll, they'll have enemies in front and behind and it goes from being terrifying to just being frustrating. And that is not the atmosphere you want for a game like this. You want this no. game to be, you want players to be apprehensive. You want them to be nervous. You want them to be anxious. You want them to be all kinds of things for all kinds of adjacent words to horror that help make an experience horrifying in a more psychological way. Uncomfortable, I think, is a uncomfortable is a good is thing to put in this game. Word. Oh, yeah. When you're yanking a stinking umbilical cord out of you, this game's uncomfortable. <laughs> all right. Um, and that's the thing. Like I actually had the most fun, even with some of the puzzles being as frustrating as they were, the puzzles and figuring everything out were the best part of the game for me. Yeah. I had the most fun doing that kind of activity. And I was fine with it being four to five hours. Just like I'm fine with the original portal being a short game. Right. Um, and it would have been far more replayable if it weren't for the combat. Yeah. Instead, this is one of those games where, especially at the ending, it's like this game is telling a story. I can't decipher it. Not on a first playthrough. I want to play this again and see if I can figure out what it is this what it is they're trying to convey here. Only no, that would require combat again. And I don't want to go through that. And it's a shame because just give me the God it, mode mod. Once, the, once that's out, I'll, I'll pop that in and go back. Yeah. 
Because this is a game where, and that's a, that's the issue with like this is a game that defies the logic of the scoring system because you can't score it that simply. It's like its value is beyond how most people would measure a game. Yeah, it's a valuable experience that it's great to be on Game Pass so people can give it a whirl. It's the and best I game hope- that I can't recommend. That is like- that is one way to put it. It's one of the best games that you can't recommend because there's. Another game I feel that way. I think Caligula Effect Overdose is one of those I feel I feel about. It's like this is one of the best games I've ever played, but I can't recommend it. Um, but uh, the, I feel that way about Galgun and Galgun too. Yeah. Except I, I can't recommend it for other reasons. That'll, yeah, yeah. FBI kicking down the door. It's going to happen anyway. <laughs> but the 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 thing is with with Scorn though is. It's one of the most gorgeous games. It's one of the most wonderfully designed games. There were so many moments where I was walking around the environment and just stopping and taking it all in and thinking about how alien the world was. And that's the thing. Like, I was in a funk. I wasn't able to play any video game for like more than half an hour before Scorn. I decided to play it one morning. I was like, all right, I'll play this a little bit. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm playing it for three hours straight. And it's because I'm looking at the world and it's, I'm thinking it's a game where I'm just thinking about the experience and the world that I'm in the whole time. And the combat takes you out of that. Yeah. You know, it, it's one of those things where, um, cause I, I had this discussion with my friends on a, on a fairly regular basis, uh, when talking about immersion, right. Um, Person, like personally, I don't really get immersed in experiences. I I play games because I do want to have fun. If I'm not having fun, then I, you know, I I, I can't be I can't be arsed. <laughs> you know, I um, think engrossed is another good term. Engrossed is a similar yeah. enough idea, but different. Yeah, but like when when there are things added to games for the sake of immersion, that's that's when things can go can go south for me. Big example: Red Dead Redemption Two. That game has so many things that like that is a game that is that I find to be absolutely incredible and one of the greatest games ever made. I hate playing it. I absolutely hate playing it because I think the controls are god awful. Um, and I don't know why people tolerate them. Why? Why is the same button to talk to someone the same button to unholster your gun and point it at them so that they run and scream and then suddenly you have a bounty on your head? <laughs> Um, but then like, say like I compare the, the, the cooking in Red Dead Redemption 2 versus the cooking in Breath of the Wild where Breath yeah. of the Wild, it's gamified and it's, it's like, all right, well, I'm, I got my meat on a stick and I'm going to hold it against the campfire and I'm going to wait until it's done. Yep. And it's, and it's like, you know, it's great that it's here. Okay. I like on paper, it's a great idea, but it's, but in practice, when you actually have the control in your hand and you're in control, it's not a good experience you know and that's how i feel about the and, about the combat here it's it was there for immersion i remember when when we were talking uh obviously i don't outside know if i call it immersion though well they, they will it was explained as another way to interact with the world and and that you know mm. and that's that's to me I, I would say that's that's that sounds like immersion you know like why why in the last of us when there's no threat around uh do i have to like tap x over and over to struggle with opening a door 
Yeah, yeah. Because well, because the the game says so. The the world is post apocalyptic. Don't you get it? Don't you get it, you idiot? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like uh, yeah. Not with um. I don't know because with the funny thing is too. I feel like that that it doesn't have as much combat as it sounds like when people talk about the game. That's also how much of a showstopper the combat is. Yeah. Most of the game is not combat. I will say that outright. Most yeah. of it is. And again, like you can actually evade a lot of enemies in this game. You really can. But unfortunately, it's so awkward. And again, like I, I just watching other people play and stuff. Most people don't think to just shoot an enemy, then run past. Most people don't do that. Most people try and kill the enemy. Like this is from reviews I've watched and stuff like that. But that is unanimous. Like most, just about every review I've seen, uh, even the ones that praise the game for what it is, the combat really is the downside. And the question is how much can you tolerate that? Right. Um, it was a great game to be playing leading up to Halloween. And that is going to lead me to my next question and chat. I want your opinions on this. Uh-oh. I want to know, chat. Uh-oh. Is Gremlins a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie? The answer is yes. <laughs> it's both? Yeah, like like The Nightmare Before Christmas. It's both a Halloween movie and a Christmas movie. Because I, I, it's funny because I was actually asking uh, people, I was asking specifically you and Steve, because here's the thing, I'm not, I'm not a horror movie guy most of the time. I'm not a horror guy in general. Horror is not my preferred genre. Um, I don't think, like, if, from how you've described, you're not much of a movie guy. Is that how you would put it? Yeah, because it's uh, like if you if you want me to watch a movie, uh, you have to grab me and sit me down, and then I'll watch it. Um, I I won't watch movies on my own because I I feel like I I feel that I'll feel the need to do something. I'm fidgety. It's the ADD. It's you know. <laughs> the, the, the undiagnosed autism maybe um i'm not actually right, saying so. I, i'm not actually saying that, that that i'm autistic but i wouldn't i just wouldn't be surprised if i was um but like, i don't think so i don't think <laughs> so but that's a whole other topic right there but um no i mean i do find it funny because your girlfriend Maccabeek is a bit of a cinephile herself she is um, she's got quite the extensive collection you know she's shown me a few um, and that's my thing. Like I'm, I'm open to movies. I'm open to film. Um, the, the only things I really don't care for are Disney. Uh, and this also like, this is a Venn diagram, Disney and musicals. Um, I can't, <laughs> I can't stand musicals. Um, Les Miserables, yeah, you don't like the film tunes. was actual yeah. pain for me. Cause God, that movie would have been an hour shorter if they just talked instead of saying everything. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Uh, yeah, Take a um, sip of water. You don't think horror equals equals Halloween? Interesting. I mean, I think because that's I, I kind of understand. I do too. Like, well, that's the thing because for me, I've realized that creature features are technically more my thing. Also, is Gremlins even horror? Let's say Christmas. Gremlins is a black comedy horror kind of a thing, right? Like it's playing off of horror tropes. And the first one's definitely more horror than the second one, but it's also comedy. It's not meant to be a fully serious movie, uh, even though people do die in it. Um, it's 
definitely one but I, again like i brought it up because like one of the things i've been trying to do this october season is okay because normally my go-tos are alien uh alien 3 maybe because aliens is an action movie but either way the alien trilogy or predator 1 and 2 or john carpenter's the thing those are my usually my usual go-tos and the big thing they all have in common is their science fiction uh horror movies their creature features and so this year I decided, you know what, I'm going to try something new and different. I'm going to watch the Blade trilogy for the first time, which is a vampire trilogy of features and action movies. <laughs> and firstly, the first Blade is a product of its time, but it's also really interesting as a vampire movie that sort of set the tone for vampire movies going forward and just like... This was a movie made in 1998, and it feels like it defined the early aughts of this lower, like, mid-budget action movie. Dude, I haven't like, seen this movie since I was a kid. Like, <laughs> uh. it, it was surprisingly good. It's not great. I'm going to be the first to say that. It's computer graphics are terrible. But it's, oh, like, just CGI the opening of it. The opening of it is like it is such a perfect vampire movie, especially if you're familiar with the table, the original like tabletop vampire the masquerade setting and not what it would later become. Um, <laughs> but like, like if you're familiar with like the original vast vampire the masquerade bloodlines, like this kind of like Blade kind of captures all of that and. It's just so interesting and so fascinating of a a vampire flick. And it's also one of those things where it's kind of everything people say they want to make new movies to be. It, I, I don't want to get too deep into that. I think you and I could probably talk about that later. <laughs> and you might even you might even understand what I mean by it too. I, I think I kind of get it. But it's like it's such a it, it's such an interesting kind of film that they don't make anymore. And the first one that's, they were trying. The unfortunate thing is the second and third films were far more average. Mm -hmm. Like technically the third one is technically on paper on the third one is probably the best one in its execution, its direction and other things like that. But it's got my again, homeboy triple H in it. It, it does have triple H in it. Um, it also has Ryan Reynolds in it and it had, um, Oh, what's the actress's name? I can't believe I forget it. Uh, what is it? Jessica something? No, it, Jessica Biel. Yes. I didn't even like, I had seen this movie in college. It was the only blade movie I'd seen was the third one. I saw it in college at the dollar theater just for laughs. Cause I was like, <laughs> I want to go to the movies. This is oh, an action dude. movie. I'll go see this. And uh, I completely didn't realize that the chick was Jessica Biel in it. Oh, and man. what like what, what a fun, first what a first blade what movie a first, to see. What a first blade movie to see. Yeah. Well again, like the shame of it is the Guillermo del Toro one, the second one, is probably the weakest. But I, I like um, it aesthetically, honestly. I like I like the, the creature designs. I th I thought that was really cool. Uh to answer your question, Patrick, not the first Marvel movie. Um, but it was the movie that convinced Marvel to make their own film studio. And that they could actually succeed because every other effort before this was kind of a failure. And then Captain Blade, America movie. Blade actually succeeded enough to have a trilogy. Yeah. Um, so 
it, it it was good, and that's the thing. Like, it's is it really a horror movie? Not really, but it's got some elements that the vampires fit. And vampires, Halloween, there you go. But what also really worked for creature features for me was um, Pitch Black and Riddick. Uh, I did not <laughs> not not the Chronicles of Riddick. That is different. Um, but. The third, like, so the first Riddick movie, which is Pitch Black, and then the third Riddick movie, uh, which is just Riddick, and has a lot in common with Pitch Black. But both of them are kind of creature features in their own way. Riddick is, Riddick is three movies in one. And I sat down to watch Riddick for the first time in, since I saw it in theater almost 10 years ago, uh, theaters 10 years ago. And dude, it's everything I miss about good movies. Like this movie is better than it has any right to be. It starts out with very little dialogue and very little, like it's surprisingly filled with show. Don't tell of Riddick figuring out how to survive on this alien planet. And you will believe Vin Diesel might have talent as an actor watching this movie. (laughs) Yeah. He's not, he's not just, you know, fast and the furious. Uh, whatever his name is, or Groot. He's not just Groot. He, he he's he's he does really well this film, and he really does embody this character, and it, it's just great action. Again, it's like three or four movies in one because you have your him surviving on the planet alone. Then you have where he's the monster effectively hunting down these bounty hunters, a very brief horror movie where he's the monster. And then you have the pitch black all over again towards the end. But it's like this really well done put together. And what do we have now? But complete messes of movies (laughs) and like, I don't know how you could sit there and watch this movie and how well put together it is. And the fact that you can watch it and feel that it's a passion project that only cost 38 million to make. And then you watch like what they did to star Wars and think that's somehow better instead of, ah, uh, this is where I need Steve here so I can beat him up emotionally. Um, but not like the, this the star, is like Star Wars fans are very much abused. You know, I, I actually watched um, Riddick and. No, I, I've seen Pitch Black. Yeah, I've seen Pitch Black and Pitch Black 2. Which is the Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, is. But it was but it was interesting because like I that remember was interesting. I, I remember Pitch Black and watching it on the sci fi channel. Um, oh goodness! Yeah, and it was and it was odd because it, it like if it definitely was a low budget movie, but there there was something about it that kept me watching, even though there were commercial breaks that normally break it. But yeah, um, there was something interesting there that that I that I did enjoy. It, it was that whole creature feature. It did it did harken back to Predator, but with a twist, and I enjoyed that. Something like Predator, something like Alien, yeah. Is, yeah. That's part of it, is it wears its influences, I don't want to say it wears its influences on its sleeve, but you know that it's influenced by these kinds of classics and everything, Yeah, and yet it has its own identity. <clears throat> it's, 
And it also has, a, it doesn't have a very, it doesn't have a bad structure at all. Cause it shows you, they track the route they're going to take from the crash site to the colony with the ship that they got to take. Then they go back and then the, the, the suns fall and now the monsters are out. And that's the path that was so easy to travel earlier in the day. They've now got to travel again in the dark. And it's building the fact that there is this monster on there. Like it's, you're right. It's lower budget. It's not a great film. You could definitely tell, uh, David Twohey, the writer director. Um, Oh no, he was only the director at the time. I think he wasn't the writer. Um, he and he and Vin Diesel worked on, building the character beyond that in Chronicles of Riddick and the film Riddick, but you can see the improvement yeah. um, from pitch black to Riddick and, and David Twohey's directing, but it's like all like those two films both have good structure and it's so rare to get a movie like that these days. It feels like, because every, ah, it's like that, that for some reason this can't exist in Hollywood now. And I don't like and Even independents aren't, trying to like we're supposed to be able to do amazing things with just our phones right and yet all we have is stuff like marriage story in the indie scene <laughs> like we got to be a period piece or we got to be people living in the suburbs and that's it or the city and that's it like nothing adventurous anymore well yeah it's got to be relatable or else it can't exist but if it's low to budget get back, if it's not though, relatable then who cares to get back though, I mean that's the thing that I'm realizing because it's like I'm not a big horror movie guy, and I prefer sci-fi and fe uh, creature features. So, um, and ones that aren't overly gory. So that's where I've been exploring with um, some Halloween flicks is trying to figure out okay, what can I watch instead of some of the go-to's that most people have. And um, hey, if anybody in the chat has a serious suggestion, go ahead and drop it because I'm curious. Uh, what you'd recommend something that I may have seen, may have not have seen, but that's why I wanted to pose to like you and Steve. But again, you're not much of a film guy. And Steve, Steve is like me. Um, normally not as big into horror, but I'm a huge fan of science fiction. Therefore I'll find some of this stuff once in a while. Yeah. Or actually here, here, sorry, here's a, um, rare one. Again, John Carpenter, right? He's actually a good source. And, uh, the the mouth of madness talk about a film that most people would say doesn't age well that with sam neill is a rent it like go to amazon and rent the mouth in the mouth of madness it's a fun time i was surprised at how much i enjoyed it and i would watch it again it was one of the last good movies of john carpenter yeah cuz uh definitely ain't ghost of mars i saw that recently oh <laughs> i've not seen the entire movie i've seen bits of it and it looks cheap and terrible oh because oh. it is cheap and terrible it was it was bad oh it was really ice bad. cube oh my goodness ice cube was the best part of the movie oh let that sink in I mean, he's not bad in the right movie, but man, oh my goodness. That was one where they were like just ice cube all over the place. I can tell like, uh, what was it? Deep blue sea or something like that. Was it deep blue sea? One of those movies with a big shark in it. It's like <laughs> ice cube, just ice cube all over the place. Where's my it, script? Just talk. I think it was like, deep blue sea. Cause Samuel like, Jackson was in that movie as well. Yeah. He has the legendary death. Um, 
<laughs> there you go. Creature feature. Deep Blue Sea every Halloween. There you go. Don't do that. Uh, don't, don't do that. Just watch Jaws but, instead. It's a way better movie. There you go. Jaws is a good movie. Um, But where I think you probably... And here's the thing. like I play more horror games than I watch horror movies. Yeah. Um, So... And that's the thing. Like we started off with scorn, which is sort of horror, um, discomfort. If if discomfort could be given a genre, I'd say it's a horror. Um, it, it is a horror game because like horror games don't have to be scary. You know they they have yeah. to. Well, it's also body horror, right? Yeah. Like there there there's gross out, but there's something different about body horror. Yeah. Um. And Scorn grabs all of that, but like Signalis comes out, came out today on Game Pass. I haven't gotten to play it yet. Um, oh yeah, and that's like a retro uh, PlayStation era throwback, but with somewhat better camera angles and controls for how it plays. But it's designed to play like a PlayStation One survival horror. Um, and we got, of course, I got a screenshot of Resident Evil Two remake here. Yeah, buddy. Because, and that's the thing, like, in my mind, part of me is like, you know what, man? Like, some of these Resident Evil, like, October should be the month of Resident Evil. Play the Resident Evil remake, Resident Evil 2 remake, Resident Evil 3 remake, maybe. Uh, Resident Evil 7, Resident Evil um, Village, like, especially the, the Village. Zero Village feels, and, and the, the updated RE1. I will, I will not be playing uh, Zero. Zero's fun. It's just dumb really dumb. i've seen enough people talk about it that it looks like it would annoy the crap out of me i mean um yeah but but it, but it's also dumb <laughs> oh i did actually grab code veronica on sale on xbox so I, sh- I i should play that at some point i have that actually i i have code veronica hd which is different from what's on the playstation store because the the p like the playstation store has um i think it's just a direct port of the PS2, of the PS2 game, whereas uh, the the one on Xbox is is actually like HD, and you know they they touched it up real mm. good. Neat, hard as hell though. Oh, I I, I don't doubt. Um, but yeah, like Resident Evil is a go to series. Um, but I was wondering, like, what other? Well, firstly, what. Do you have horror games you go back to for Halloween season, or is Halloween just a, a thing that comes and goes? Number one is PT, dude. <laughs> so, okay, PT. <laughs> yeah, PT, dude. Like, I part of me is, is like, man, I can't believe Konami just let this die. But another part of me is like, you know, I'm I'm actually really happy that the, that PT is the experience that we got because it it is so unique and so well executed for what it is, um, so different and so effective. Like it's just such a simple. Like I, I I love I love games where they take a simple concept and they just build upon it. I I'm all about that. So PT is like is like a number one go to for this season and. Uh, uh, I do plan on on streaming that on Halloween night. I haven't said that yet, but I, that's what I that's what I'm thinking of doing. Um, and like, I always go back to to Resident Evil in some fashion. Uh, earlier this month, I streamed Resident Evil Two Remake, which is up on the screen right now, and I had a blast doing that. Um, sometimes I go back to Bloodborne because even though it's a it's a it's yes. a Souls game, it it like it's got that. It's got that eldritch Gothic abomination. Horror. 
Yeah, it's Gothic got that abominations, gothic horror. Yeah, the 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 setting is is perfect. You know, you have that kind of underlying theme of, of of the of the bubonic plague. Like it's and it's freaky in all the in all the right ways. It's like it, it doesn't. It's also it doesn't jump out and go boo. <laughs> it's like it's also like Resident Evil Village, where they have that classic like werewolf monster vibe going on. Yeah. So it fits for the idea of Halloween just as well as anything else. Right. Yep. So yeah, Bloodborne's a good one. I did play a little bit of that this month again. And I can, I think I can confirm. I probably still like Bloodborne more than Elden Ring. I, so. I like Bloodborne's aesthetic more than Elden Ring, but man, Elden Ring I mean, we we had the Elden Ring cast already. Yeah, <laughs> Elden Ring game of the year. If it doesn't end up being game of the year, shenanigans. All right, there there's some there's some garbage that happened behind the scenes. Uh we're, we're going to see because the more the further I get from it, the more I uh, the more more I kind of lose love for it. But I'll have to I'll have to give it another spin before we we have our own game of the year discussions. But um, to keep in, in, in topic with the Vigima games, um, also that, Code, Vein. I, Code Vein's another one. Code Vein. Uh, I can see that, that, cause that's technically vampires, but not vampires. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and of course, recently they announced the remake of Silent Hill 2, which ho, 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 ho. Oh. I, I don't know, man. I, I still, I look at that clip so the funny thing about silent hill right my first exposure to it my first interest in it but i never really got to play it it was in our playstation 2 when i first started working at the gamestop and keep in mind my first day at gamestop was when they were taking down the funko land sign and replacing it with the gamestop sign so i remember hearing theme of laura over and over again and never getting tired of it, but also just watching this, like, cause it's the, the, Oh, what do they call it? The what movie they call it like the attract movie or something like the attract oh, yeah. movie. Cause it's supposed to draw people to the TV. Right. Um, and seeing clips of the cut scenes and the, the, the big guy, you know, hold the gun to his head and make the bang or whatever. And you're seeing just little clips of the game and, it was so fascinating to me what this game could be, and I never got to play it. I got it later on the original X, like someone gave me the original Xbox disc, Ooh. and I didn't get far. Like I, I, I told you when you were streaming it the other day, it's like this is about as far as I got this area. Yeah. Um, and then I never went back, but I could probably still run that on my Series X. I think. I think you can. And I would, I, although that's going to be because the, the HD collection is out there. I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, eh, we're not going to bother. Maybe. Cause I know it can run on 360. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll have to give it a test one day and see, because that version has the fog. It is not the HD collection version. It's a real <laughs> silent hill too. There's fog in it. Uh, now you saw, was there? Yeah, there was. There, there's fog in it now. They they patched it in. <laughs> they patched the fog in. Um, the Silent Hill Ranch sign is Comic Sans, <laughs> which it definitely wasn't before. It's evidently based off an incomplete build, all that yep. stuff. But no, I mean, 
No, it's, it's one of those things that I'll have to give a try. But, like, I don't know. Something about the Silent Hill 2 remake feels like, oh, they're trying to do what they did with the Resident Evil 2 remake. But, and part of it is I just, the only Bloober Team game I've played is The Medium. And The Medium was clearly trying to be a Silent Hill. And it wasn't a bad game, but it was far more minimalistic in certain respects. And also it was trying way too hard and the ending was complete and utter trash. <laughs> like I, there was no defending the ending of that game. It was awful. Um, what was their biggest game up to that point? It was. That's the funny thing. Um, so it, no, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure how much I trust Bloober Team, but I don't think Silent Hill 2 Remake was actually their big announcement anyway. I think Silent Hill F was their big announcement. I, um, I'm inclined to agree, but, like, you know, they they, they had to lead with Silent Hill 2. Although oh, they, they definitely They could have... Honestly, they, they could have ended th- that whole presentation with Silent Hill 2. Like, kind of like Nintendo would have, like, oh, wait... There's one last thing. Please take a look. Yeah. They could have done that. But Silent Hill Silent Hill F definitely has me interested on a on a concept level alone. Yeah. And especially I, I shared that breakdown that the guy made of like all the different little things in the uh trailer and all their meanings and stuff like that and it's like, "Oh wow. They're th- this 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 game could be going hard and that's what gives me faith in well, I, I say faith again. It's like I, this is not a series I've really played, but I've really paid attention to people's analyses of Silent Hill two. Well, even one Silent yeah. Hill one, two, three, and four, and the original Silent Hill team were some of those. They really are those guys. Like people will sit there and be like, "Oh man, this game is art," and it's like you don't understand what you mean by that. You just know this game makes you feel things. Yeah, having studied a bit of film and understanding what makes film quote unquote art and what Roger Ebert himself was trying to get at when he argued games couldn't be art. Um, Japanese game developers understand theme and understand motif and understand all of these other things and how they can be wrapped into a game and its mechanics and blended into its mechanics. Right. Right. And there's a lot of that going on in the Silent Hill series. It's also a lot of going... I mean, again, if we look back on Metal Gear Solid 2, what is Metal Gear Solid 2 but one big statement on what it means to make a sequel to a video game? <laughs> like, it's well, also predicting, pretty darn genius. Well, also predicting look up, mean culture at the same time. <laughs> um, but yeah, look up Matthew Matosis, Metal Gear Solid 2. His video on it is great. Um but, uh, yeah, how's it going, AV Hobbies? How's it going? Um, as we near the end of our discussion, again, like, talking at this point, again, like, Halloween games. Like, okay, there you go. Chat, Patrick, Asuna, uh, AV Hobbies. What do you guys play in terms of video games for Halloween season? Like, what what video games get you, like, in the mood? Um, because... It's funny, Patrick mentioned the Evil Dead movies for Spooky October. The Evil Dead game's already long and forgotten, right? Like, <laughs> that attempt at uh, whatever was doing is well, a the, shame. The, the recent one? Yeah, I don't actually... Like, I haven't heard out. much about it. Yeah. 
That was out like May. Oh crap! Um, I've heard yeah. that little about this game. Oopsie! That's, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it hadn't come out yet. I mean, I have the Evil Dead game on on PS One. I own it. I never played it, but I have it. I know people that have uh, nostalgia for some of those older Evil Dead games. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's like that's one of those things. Oh wait, I already know one of the Sunos is Dead by Daylight. Um, then again, she plays a lot of horror games, a lot of the smaller budget indie ones now too. Um, oh, dude, there's the, a ton um, of them. The Curious Madness of Doctor Decker. I, I watched her stream that several years ago. At this point, that's an interesting game because it, it, it's a, it's like an FMV horror game but i've seen hd um but it, it's it's got a lot of mystery behind it it's 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 fascinating strong recommend chat strong recommend what was that again the curious madness of no or maybe it's the infectious madness of dr decker it's um uh, dr it, decker yeah it's a uh it's a lovecraftian horror game but it doesn't have like you know eldritch abominations it's one of those you know madness is the theme kind of things um okay. and, uh but but it's like uh but it's a murder mystery um but there's there's some weird stuff going on with the people that you interview you know um and it there are a lot of little things where if you do blink you'll miss it you'll you'll see some crazy crazy stuff um when when you're just like trying to figure out what's the next thing to ask someone it's it's interesting I'd I'd uh, I'd recommend that one, um, especially as a stream game because like the the chat will also get involved because you you have to type your your questions out like you got to trigger these these events yourself by interrogating. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know I I think actually the Resident Evil remake might have been my first real horror video game. I don't on the, think I've on the really GameCube. Played. Yeah, I mean, in general, I don't really, I mean, firstly, what horror games were there really on the Super Nintendo? There weren't really a lot. Clock Tower, but, but I think that was only That Japan. was 3D. The original, well, maybe it was. No, the, the no you're right, was, you're right. Yeah. You're right, it was Super Nintendo. Yep. Um, I do no, have the, the PS1 a, remake of that, too. Yeah, I didn't, I forgot about that. But yeah, I never played Clock Tower, of course. Um, I played... Uh, Resident Evil on the GameCube. And the funny thing about that is I saw the movie with that, like, oh, I remember now. I'm going down memory lane now because I was over my cousin's house a lot to play Final Fantasy VII because I didn't have a PlayStation yet. And he was trying to get me to play stuff like Resident Evil 2. And I was a dumb little, I've mentioned this before, I was a dumb little brat that was like, any video game with a gun in it is for idiots. <laughs> um, completely Dude, I, forgetting I was... Barrett had a gun arm. I um, I had that uh I had that phase when I was like a complete PS2 hater like man oh, people oh only play PS2 for Grand Theft Auto I got Fantasy Star Online yeah <laughs> so you were a Dreamcast fan or did you have the original Xbox uh, I was a Dreamcast man there you go um um you'll you'll see it on display here next uh next Friday. But that's the funny thing, because I remember I did play a bit of Resident Evil 2, and I hated the controls, and then when I saw the liquor go by the window, I was like, you know what, this game's stupid, and <laughs> really, really, I was like, holy crap, that freaked me out, I don't want to find out what that is. Dude, they were was, so good at doing that back in the day. I was posturing, but then, uh, 
that's the thing. Like I played a little bit of that. He showed me a bit of nightmare creatures, but no, like we, we went to see the resident evil movie in theaters and my buddies that I went with were talking about the story of the games. And I'm sitting here like, wait a minute, you mean this game has a story to it? And it was sounding interesting. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to get the uh, GameCube remake. I'm going to play my first resident evil. And dude, I still remember you boot up the game and one of the first things it has is that body sit up Dude. and the piano is just like, dun, dun. and it's like, I was playing that game with my door closed and the lights out. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just freaking out. I'm <laughs> Dude, freaking that, that, out. Like, have you, have you watched the, the original? I'm sure you've seen the original PS1 version of that scene, right? I've seen a lot of the original PlayStation 1 versions of things. Cause that because that scene in the original PS1 game, uh nah, bro. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not scary. It's no good. <laughs> it's By no not, good. Are you saying it's no good because it's not scary or it's no good because uh because it looks bad? I mean it's not scary because okay. it looks like trash. <laughs> okay. They were trying something, but yeah, that, they were actually, trying it, but remember, this was the first one on the PS1. It, yep. Mm. <laughs> that's kind of that's also kind of what's amazing about like the Resident Evil. If you look at the original Resident Evil on the PlayStation and then you look at Resident Evil, like, even if it's running on native GameCube hardware, like you look at the Resident Evil remake in just six years' time, the difference. Like that's why that's why there's only diminishing like why has a console generation never felt special? In the past, like two decades, for the most part, because the upgrades because, are minimal. Like, and that, yeah, it's a goal. I feel like we peaked with graphics in the last generation, and now it's like, ooh, like no loading times and ray tracing sometimes. <laughs> and those things are nice. And that's the thing, like ray, you know, you know when ray tracing looks nice in Ghostwire Tokyo when it's wet everywhere. So you have a lot of reflective surfaces. Otherwise, ray tracing is honestly like diminishing returns because it requires so much horsepower yep. for only a little bit better. And our we like we've gotten so good at faking lighting that you don't really need it. Dude, the reflections in Yakuza Zero are really good. When, whenever you see a puddle, like it, it reflects accurately in Yakuza yeah. Zero. And they've been using that same tech through Lost Judgment, and it's and it's it's impressive. I was like, "Wow, that must be ray tracing." Then we looked it up. It's like, "Oh, it's not." What? Yes, yeah, game doesn't support the game doesn't support it. So it's like, yeah, um, it's nuts. But to tag in, Patrick also mentioned, "I don't think I've ever played a game just because it was spooky season." But he wants to replay Fear. He remembers that scaring time. him. I remember when Fear came out, like everyone was making a big deal on my college campus. And I remember people playing it, like watching them play it. But for some reason, it, oh, wait, it was PC only at first. So I didn't get to play it. Yeah, I, I um, played it on 360 when it eventually got re-released for that. Um, I did play Fear 2 on Xbox 360. I played a little bit of Fear 2. That was fun, but evidently that it was no Fear. It was silly. <laughs> I never played silly. Fear 3. All right, I think we kind of exhausted this topic, though, just talking about <laughs> spooky season stuff. Um, hopefully everyone enjoyed the conversation. Hopefully everyone enjoyed uh, tuning in. Um, 
I think maybe we will aim for something closer to this format where we do talk about some of the recent news goings on. Um, and then probably just talk about games we've been playing because I'm going to be doing some more transitioning. I'm still figuring, uh, figuring things out for content. I'm slowly working on things. And I know I've been saying that for months now. I've been saying that's like the beginning of summer, but, um, slowly I'm working on things just, it's been a rough, it's been a rough since June actually because of the health crap and technically health crap is still going on, but finally getting some answers and some progress forward, but it's still crappy. Um, but it's, it's also a lot of experimenting and figuring things out. Like I posted that I was in the video editor again. I don't think I'm going to actually put that video live but it is nice experimenting. It's nice getting a sense of what do I want to do? What do I like doing? How can I make things work? Um, yeah. And that's the thing. Like there might be a lot of things not seeing the light of day right now, but I am still working on what I can do. And I think in the future, a sort of once a month, a Steve, but bigger maybe. Um, is going to be more, more likely and more in the cards. So either way. Um, and I might, I have a free Saturday, so I might stream this Saturday as well. I'm figuring out whether it's going to be Splatoon three or something else. Um, but oh, man, I'd yeah. love to join you, but I'll be, I'll be at the Renaissance fair. Yeah. It's have been a, fun it's been drinking a mead. Oh yeah, dude, I'm bringing home some mead. Hey, maybe we'll have some for uh, struggle mania next Saturday. I was actually going to say, if we can hook up your, uh, your, your system, maybe I can play PT for the first time. Wait, you haven't played PT? 2 a.m. when I go to have to stay awake, baby. Holy like, cr- All right. Yeah. Let's we got to make PT. that happen. We got to make that happen, dude. <laughs> Holy. I, I never knew. Man. I'm, all right. See, I'm a terrible friend because I, I should have made this happen a long time ago. <laughs> ah. November 5th. Mark your calendars, November 5th on twitch.tv slash heirapparent310. Yeah, buddy. Starting at 8 a.m. Eastern, I think. Um, we're going 8 a.m. Eastern, unless we're, <laughs> unless we're recovering from the previous night because we might be, we, we might be out having We might be fun. making bad decisions. Um, 24-hour charity marathon. Um, I will be posting on my Twitter if I can. We'll be doing what we can, but, um, yeah, uh, I already posted on my Twitter, technically twitter.com slash ramble pack 64. Um, yeah, Here, I'll, just I'll just throw the, uh, the throw donation the page in chat real quick. I'll just throw and it I'll throw in there. Things, I'll throw things up and, um, there it be I th- in real life squid games on November 5th. <laughs> I thought you were making a Splatoon reference at first. I forgot about the show. Um, but yeah, there's the link and I'll drop it in the, the show notes on ramblepack64.com. So yeah, everybody, we're, we're, we're going to be doing that. It's going to be me, uh, Joey. It's going to be Asuna. It's going to be our buddy, Zach, four of us in the meat space in person. Let's go. And Jen, um, Jen will be in and out. We'll I have, have a Maccabee. Um, we'll have a Maccabee. Yeah. yeah. My, my dad might, might show up to, uh, to say hi. Um, oh, cool. And, I'll get uh, to meet your pop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my dad might show up and, um, you know, probably drop off some some stuff for us and hopefully partake in a, uh, in a game if he's if he's up for it. Um, I'm trying. Well, I, I think my buddy Antonio um, 
is uh, I don't think he'll be in person. I told him about it, but he'll he'll at least be in the chat. He's a um he's fostered a community of his own. He's uh he's the voice of Era in uh in Warframe. <laughs> oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so if uh, so if he's around, say hi to him. Um, and yeah, you know it's 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 gonna be a good time. Maybe maybe a couple other people just kind of in and out. Um, hopefully. If we're lucky, when we when we play Smash Brothers because that's on deck, we uh, we can have like a lot of people playing just pure chaos, absolute madness. All right. Well, that's the hope. That's the hope. We'll yep. see. We'll be having hopefully getting a schedule up soon. But yeah, again, November fifth, um, Twitch.tv slash ErraParent three ten. Yep. That's where you're going to be able to find it. I will again have links in the show notes on RamblePack sixty four dot com. There will be day drinking but- and night coffee. I'll try to refrain because I gotta. I'll go to sleep otherwise. Um, <laughs> well, I mean that's why you do it in the morning, and then you have your coffee at night. That's what I'm doing. I, but I, I don't drink coffee, anyways. Um, <laughs> again, thanks everyone for joining. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you again in November. And then I do have. I do plan to have us do another uh, video game awards stream, uh, reaction stream. I look forward to that too. Oh, that's coming so, up. Oh my lord! Yes, it is. It's going to be December, December eighth. Oh. They already uh, got a date. Big things on the horizon. All right. Very. Have a uh, have a good night, everybody. Thanks for joining, and uh, thank you, of course, Joey, for joining me in the uh, conversation. Hell yeah! It's always good, man. I I enjoy being on this podcast. Steve, I wish you luck. Godspeed. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening with him outside of extra work. <laughs> Mostly that and being a dad. <laughs> Godspeed. All right, Godspeed. Have a good night, everybody. Good night.